Yeah. So this is a perfect time for me to ask you this question then, because I know you were one of the stage designers at for the last Carolina Classic. Mm-hmm. So what in with the stage that they used of yours? What were you? What was the stage, and what were you testing? Sure. Uh, I think mine was uh, stage three. Um, there were uh, a couple of elements. So uh, mine was the one where you could run over to the right first and shoot three poppers and a couple of paper, uh, or you could you know step right in and shoot a target uh, off to the left. Um, it was sort of a sort of an L shape, I, I guess, uh, the way that it came out on the ground. But um, the primary focus there was um, long transitions. So in the middle of that stage, you had uh, two openings, you know, basically in a hallway uh, where you had targets that presented at different points of space, you know, so uh, no matter what you were, you know, transitioning, you know, to one side of the stage and shooting a required target. Then you had a couple of uh, option targets, you know, that could be shot from uh, different locations. But then there was a wide transition over to the next. Um, and then in each array, there was also throttle control. So there were a couple of close targets and there were a couple of farther targets. Um, and the very last array, you know, you had like a muzzle distance, no shoot partial. Um, that, you know, I wanted to, you know, entice people to, you know, come rolling in there quick and just hammer on it, um, you know, with a little bit of risk, you know, of of no shoot. Um, so uh, transition uh, set up on the steel. Um, there was definitely some entry and exit um, and throttle control, you know, throughout that whole course. Um, so I, uh, opted to run over to the right first and shoot the three poppers and two pieces of paper and reload against the grain coming across, um, you know, to the next, next part, uh, Ben Barry, I watched him do it. He stepped right in and shot, you know, the paper that was available, uh, you know, to his immediate left. Uh, okay. Uh, I saw a couple other competitors, um, you know, run over, shoot the steel, and then they exited the shooting area uh, and went forward and, you know, came in um, on those, uh, you know, side views. Uh, so some people, you know, um, cut staying in the shooting area. Uh, so that pleases me, you know, when I, when I watch, uh, different shooters come up with different stage plans, uh, that does make me feel like I, you know, I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, start position, uh, is, you know, kind of right in the middle, you know, in the, on the back line there. And, okay. uh, you know, so right off the bat, uh, you had to, you know, kind of make a choice. Am I going to, uh, draw to the target immediately left? There's a, uh, hardcover partial right next to the barrels on the left there. Yep. Um, you know, or am I going to run over to the right? You know, so that was, you know, sort of decision number one. Um, I think in general, most people opted to run uh, over to the right first and go to those poppers. Um, and then um, 
in that rightmost position, you had some, you know, decisions to make about target order. Um, I saw some guys, uh, you know, in lieu of setting up on the poppers, you know, they came in deep, uh, shot a uh, uh, hardcover partial, uh, and then tried to, you know, back out on the poppers or, or at least set themselves up for an exit on the poppers. Um, you know, again, I ran over to the right. I shot, you know, one, two, three poppers. I shot two uh, additional paper from that position. Yeah, that both of those. Yep. And then I reloaded uh, moving left, you know, back towards the start position and came in on that uh, partial. Exactly. Um, but I saw a number of people, you know, go over to the right, shoot those poppers, and they actually exited the shooting area forward um, and came out and came in on that side opening. Yeah. So where that barrel stack is, um, right there. Yeah. There's a open, there's a four foot opening right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they ran in. Um, uh, so the, you know, the stage plan there, you know, would be step in and shoot the, uh, partial target immediately left, run to the right, shoot the steel and the required paper in that position, and then exit the shooting area moving forward and come through that gap. Um, which, you know, was an interesting idea, um, you know, because they could basically shoot the targets in the array directly forward, but now they got to make essentially a, a 180 turn, a 180 transition uh, to shoot a required target. Yeah, well, there's a there's also a, a required target uh, just to the left of the poppers uh, that is only visible from that. Yeah, there it is right there. Uh, it's only available from that, you know, middle opening. Uh, so people had to kind of figure out, you know, how am I going to make this 180 transition to shoot that required target and, you know, all the targets over on the left. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, I saw a lot of different ways, you know, that people executed this. And um, uh, for example, uh, in the middle, the the left grouping of, of paper. Yeah, right in there. Um, there are three targets uh, that are kind of obvious uh, and required from that position, but there's an option target out in the back there, the back left target. Um, for me, I opted to shoot that target from that middle position, but that target is also available at the end. Um, so why did you choose that in the middle then? Uh, I shot it there because I was transitioning right over it, um, no matter what. Um, you know, mm. there were six required shots in that uh, array. Um, yeah, those three. Exactly. And, you know, I was like, well, I can transition over it and skip it and save it for the end. But that means that I'm transitioning back to it at the end. Um, okay. And if you look at the last position, you know, that is a left. Um, yeah, that's the back position. There's a, you know, a reasonable left transition there to get to that target. Mm -hmm. So uh, by including it in that side array for me, you know, I shot those eight rounds and then, you know, I didn't have to worry about transitioning left at all. Uh, I reloaded the gun and shot the target that was immediately in front of me and just muzzle pointed at the, uh, the very last target on the right there. Um, yeah, that one. Um, that was the no shoot partial that's you know, in your face. You know, that was, 
It was daring people. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many times did that thing have to get replaced? Did you happen to work this stage? No, no. Um, okay. So I actually worked a, a hybrid schedule, um, which is oh, okay. something really cool that uh, Stephanie lets me do. Um, I, I run staff squads on Friday, and then I shoot on Saturday with the Blue Bullet shooting team. Uh, and, uh, and then I work a stage on Sunday and, uh, I ended up at Chrono, uh, this year with Ben on Sunday. Um, but in any event, uh, you know, not to, to drag that out, but, um, and you know, for our audio only listeners, I apologize that you're not, uh, you know, getting the full, uh, you know, brunt of what we're talking about here, but, um, but basically, you know, each of those positions had micro decisions, right? Uh, do I come in on a partial target or do I come in on a um, 13 yard mini popper? You know, do I uh, immediately run on the draw or do I just cross step in and shoot the first target in my face? Uh, so you're giving people lots of options. Sure. You know, when I come into this array, am I going to shoot the array from left to right or right to left? You know, am I going to um, uh, enter on, you know, this available target knowing that now I'm, you know, once I'm in position, I have to transition in both directions or am I just going to dig and get into position and shoot the entire array left to right? Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that I, I like, um, you know, making people think about those small de uh, decisions that really... Uh, separate the tenths and hundredths of seconds, right? Um, well, but also at the same time, it's, look, it, it, that's another way to separate the classes because, you know, I, I don't know, I may have looked at that far left back target differently because I may have looked at it like, oh, I can shoot it closer so I can shoot it faster. But now with what you said, I'm like, no, I, I think your way but is you actually, probably the better way. Again, you are already in there. You're shooting yeah. above targets and you are transitioning right over top of that target. Yeah. Why not, you know, hit it? And then. it's open. Yeah. Why not hit yeah. it then instead of coming to another position and making a, a left transition? A wider transition. Yeah. Yes, it is closer. You are not wrong. Um but you are adding some transition time. Uh, and again, uh, different strokes for different folks. I saw a lot of people shoot it in the last position. Uh, I saw, saw only a handful that, uh, you know, shot it in conjunction with that array. Uh, because I think the, the feeling there was they wanted to get out of that middle position as quickly as possible. Um, and there's no wrong answer. Right. Know? No, there isn't. You're correct. And I would say too, on Sunday, when it was fricking raining hard in the morning, that might've been a better position at the end, even though you add an extra transition because it's bagged, it's further, you yep. know, it's just, uh, so there may be, you know, that may be an exception. So there is, there are, I mean, your stage gives you a lot of things to think about. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, that's what we're looking for, uh, you know, I'm going to make you go to all the places, but I am going to present a lot of possibilities, right? Um, 
which, what am I shooting on the way in? What am I shooting on the way out? Am I, you know, uh, going to be transitioning back and forth or can I keep this, you know, very, uh, fluid throughout, um, right. you know, can I just roll through here or do I need to come to a hard stop? Uh, you know, uh, again, the, the people who exited the shooting area at the right and came around, um, they basically had to do a 180 transition from one side of the range to the other side of the range to shoot. Whereas the people who came in from, um, you know, the right. Yeah. Coming around. I know what you mean. People, you know, you could in theory find, you know, the, the money spot, you know, where you could stand and, you know, potentially shoot everything right without having to move your feet, you know, reposition your body, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, those are the kinds of things that I think about when I'm walking stages, uh, when I am shooting my stages, I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, what is the smoothest, you know, most efficient course of action, you know, to get through this thing, given my skill sets and, you know, my, uh, preferences. Uh, okay. Now so, I'm going to share one more thing. You're going to have to walk us through. Okay, cool. You say that now. Is this the video that you posted of me shooting uh, Brian's stage? Yeah. Uh, this is my yeah. first. Uh, stage my, one. My first, <laughs> yeah, my first stage of the day. Uh, and I. Uh, and, uh, stage I, one I, of the match. Yeah, I, I skated through this stage, but yeah, okay, let's let's have it. <laughs> All right, so here you are. You're, so you're loading. Let, let's speed it up just a tad bit here. Oh yeah, yeah. Get through the get through all the make ready noise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, there you go. Now you're ready. Here comes the and a beat. So you uh, ran left. Yep. I tried to shoot that. You know, first target coming in. Post up for that steal. You know, basically, you're just going to the corners and you can see I'm as much as possible. I'm trying to keep my feet moving in those uh, in that front position. Right. You had to make a, a hard turn here. And oh, and this right here, you, you probably saw me do a reload right there. Yes. So there's a wonderful example of a stacked target put in there that ultimately created a 10 round array you know, uh, forcing me to, you know, kind of stick an unusual reload. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. uh, you know, if you look there, you got the two targets, you know, down low on the right, you've got the stack and then you've got that open one that I'm pointing at right now. Right. Uh, two, four, six, eight, ten. Yeah. You got it. So there's, you know, there's 10 rounds, um, you know, technically by the rules, uh, this is completely cool. It's completely compliant, you know, uh, but as a eight round shooter, um, this was, you know, a little annoying. <laughs> so, okay. So you're, you're reloading coming in. Yep. So, well, sure? yeah. So I had already, uh, reloaded down range when I made right. that 180 turn to run up range, I stuck a mag in and I shot, um, I think just one target or, you know, I might've shot the whole stack. Um, so if you back it up just a little bit, you'll see me come in on the lower target of that stack because it's the first target that presents to me. Yeah. So, uh, 
right there is where I, I'm reloading after I have already shot something. Okay, now I'm tracking. Yeah, so you shot the stack targets, then reloaded as you went deeper into into the corner. That yeah. corner, yeah. yeah. And that worked fine. Okay. You know, I broke it up into two positions. Right. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I like the stage overall, um, but, uh, you know, here's a thought, though. Uh, th this is a pretty big bay. Um, I love Roanne's bays. Uh, what, what a great range. And, uh, you know, the guys that uh, run that match are just awesome. Uh, but there were, I think, three stacks in this stage. Um, and if I was going to change anything, I would, um, split those stacks up, you know, okay. and, you know, move some targets, you know, instead of having a, you know, one stand, two targets, you know, let's have two stands, you know, two separate targets in different places, you know, different places. Right. But I guess at the same time, the other side of that would be, well, it's a different flavor. So you got another guy who, you know, is okay with stacks. So I, I get it. I, if for you, for you guys, it's harder. Now, let me ask you this. We're, I, I want to throw another option in here and you tell me the viability of it. Sure. What if you were to come deep in and as you came into position, came in on the lower target on the stack. Yep. Shot the top. Now it's going to add another transition, but shoot this one. And then as you turned back, reload. Sure. Uh, but I'm doing a, you know, at that point I'm doing a standing load. Uh, you are, which is fine. But you know, if there's a way for me to, um, uh, shoot something and then, you know, include a little bit of movement with my load, I'll typically choose to do that. Um, you know, and so, uh, in this instance, you know, I wanted to, uh, shoot the first thing I saw, and stick a mag as quick as possible. Um, okay. And uh, beyond that, I don't know that there was a whole lot of extra thought, you know, beyond that. Um, I think I shot both stack targets um, because when I ultimately came into that position, I don't know that it made a lot of sense, you know, to transition off of that stack, you know, to do the reload and then shoot it again. I couldn't imagine that it would. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I came in, I shot the lower, I shot the upper, then I reloaded. Um, you know, shot as you transitioned. Up. Yeah. Okay. Um, but certainly, uh, I mean, uh, another way that you could do it, you could go all the way to the corner, shoot the lower right targets and shoot the stack and then reload, taking a single step to the left to shoot the final open target. Like, any number of those, um, you know, ways to break down that stage would have been viable if executed well. Right. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw up the drone photo of the stage. Mm -hmm. Let me wait. Yeah, so there's, there's a stack over on the right. There's a stack right yeah. there in the middle down range. I'm waiting. To, yeah. I'm just waiting for this thing to back up a little bit. Yeah. Cool. And Okay, I think we can. I'm not. I don't know that I'll be able to get rid of this thing here at the bottom. Oh, that's all right. But I mean, I think everybody can see what's what's relevant. Um, there we go. But we can see the back border better now. Here's my question for you. Sure. Because I didn't shoot it. You did. 
<clears throat> so, and here you go for everybody listening. Stack, stack, and next to the left poppers, there's a stack. Uh, you know, oh, like right there. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So there we go. There's the three stack targets. Now I saw some people do this. The start position for those people, because I will post this to YouTube. Yep. Sure. Is is right here. So you've got the white X's that they stand on. Mm -hmm. I saw people run across. Actually, I saw people run this way. Yep. And then run all the way back, and then forward. Yep. I, now, I don't feel like that is the. Again, I didn't shoot it, so I'm only I'm only armchair quartering backing this. It's a Monday morning quarterback right here, for yeah. sure. Uh, but I felt like there was extra running involved in that plan, whereas the ones that went left, up, and back, it seemed smoother and faster. But yeah, I mean, I I think uh, a lot of shooters would agree that where possible, you don't want to cover the same ground twice. So in other words, uh, if I came to the left off of the start and then went, you know, all the way right, um, I've effectively traversed the left half of the stage twice, right? Correct. Correct. Um, whereas, you know, if you do what I like to call, you know, around the horn, you know, uh, you know, you go left and then you go front and then you come back around and finish in the back, you know, you're making kind of a U shape. Or I, I also saw guys uh, go to the right first and finish in the uh, uprange left corner, right? Yes. Um, yep. Which also was totally fine. In fact, I walked both of those. Um, uh, I would have been perfectly comfortable, you know, going right or left first. Um, and I think um, uh, to his credit, uh, Brian Wolf, uh, I believe, uh, designed this stage. He did a, a good job with this one uh, because uh, theirs were those were viable options. Um, you know, I watched people counting steps. Uh, in all kinds of different directions. And in the end, uh, the steps were virtually the same. Uh, and it really didn't matter. Uh, it really came into, um, you know, executing good shooting fundamentals on the steel, number one. Um, but uh, number two, uh, where were there opportunities to shoot, you know, on entry? And, you know, where could you smooth up some transitions? Um, the one thing that I didn't like about my plan, uh, but it was unavoidable, uh, is uh, in the third uh, position. Yeah, I ended up facing completely the opposite direction from where I needed to go next. Right. Um, so I had to shoot a target through a port on the left. But I was getting ready to reload and run back right. You know, so I had to make mm. I had to make a full turn with a reload um, before I could really get going. Um, but there was uh, really no great way around that. Uh, you were doing that, you know, whether you uh, went left to right or right to left. Um, there was going to be some uh, up range, you know, backwards movement or whatever. Um, retrograde movement, uh, any way you shook it out. Right. Uh, yes, there so, would be. Um, 
and so, you know, after, you know, walking multiple plans, I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's unfortunate I have to make this big turn and stick a load here and, you know, whatever. But uh, the reality is everybody's got to do something like this. And uh, this is the one I'm comfortable with right now. So that's what I'm going with. Like yeah. um, when I'm walking stages, most of the time I let my body do the talking. Um you know, like if my uh, knees or my hips or, or something, you know, say like, you know, this isn't particularly comfortable or or, hey, you're not set up to leave. Um, like if you shoot like this, you're going to have no choice but to you know do a drop step in order to shift weight and get out of here. Um, you know, I try to listen to those cues, um, you know, or if it's like my feet are really unstable here, so I can't guarantee awesome hits on target. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to that and be like, no, I'm going to find a better, better spot where I know I'm going to shoot better. Um, so, uh, for that one, you know, well, when I looked at it, I looked at those, uh, partial targets right in the front and I was like, well, I mean, those are really close and I can, you know, drill those walking into this position. Uh, I didn't even, and I said, walk intentionally, um, you know, I saw a lot of people kind of explode off of the start you know, to go to that first uh, position and they got there and they were still bleeding off speed. They weren't ready to shoot when they got there. Um, and I was like, you know, there's no real reason to explode off of the start to shoot this target. Uh, the more important cue is getting the gun to the target. Um, so I put all my focus on, you know, getting a, a decent draw and I started shooting, you know, I think when I took one or two steps, like, I mean, I, I wanted to break my first shot well before I got there. Um, you know, and I watched a lot of people, you know, <laughs> put all their might, you know, uh, into the start, you know, but then, uh, you know, they spent a lot of time bleeding off that energy before they were prepared to shoot the steel uh, and those no shoot targets, you know, and then of course you shoot the steel and it's, Hey, I got this long run to get down range. I need to get my ass moving. <laughs> oh, and and those were not open targets. Those are partial targets. Yeah. Well, let, yeah. Me add, let me add it back in real quick. I stopped sure. sharing it, but I mean, just because that is something to, to point out is that. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, most of the targets in this stage, you know, were partialed in some manner. Um, yeah. So the ones that had, uh, uh, you had to shoot through the port. I think some of them had hardcover or the, the port itself. Um, and the way that the target was positioned, you know, the port effectively ended up, you know, partialing the target uh, on some level. Okay. Uh, and then you had the stack targets um, in the, you know, back right. Uh, uh, that's where you see uh, the bulk of your open target, uh, you know, the, the two that are, you know, down on the ground leaning. But uh, one of those is partialed by a barrel. You know, um, so I actually um, I opted to just fall out of the shooting area uh, to shoot that last one, um, which I, I generally try not to do. I don't I don't like falling out of the shooting area if I can help it. Um, but uh, in this case, it just made a lot of sense because I could put one foot in the point, you know, of that back right position, you know, as I'm shooting uh, the first low target and then just kind of fall out shooting the other one. Um, uh, and again, that, that was a design, uh, decision, 
you know, that created some interest, right? Like I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to try to come into this position and set up in a stance where I can, you know, easily shoot both of these targets, you know, or am I going to just, you know, fall out and squirt at it or something, you know, like, again, right. micro decision. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I like, you know, I like that. Fine. This is a good stage. Uh, like I yeah. said, my, uh, my only feedback would be, you know, if possible, I would have liked to have split those stack targets to create some additional, um, transitions. Uh, I mean, I saw, I ended up recording a bunch of people shooting this stage because of the rain. Mm -hmm. And I saw people going, you know, I saw multiple stage plans for this. So mm -hmm. No, I, very few people shot it exactly the same. Cause like you said, some people didn't leave the shooting area at the end, but a lot of people did. Sure. Same thing. Um, you know, uh, I watched the, the mini popper that's over on the right, uh, you know, kind of out in the middle. Uh, I saw that shot from several different locations. Um, you know, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, you know, again, props to Brian for, uh, you know, a quality thought there. Um, you know, I opted to shoot it in the third position at the front right of the stage. Um, as I, uh, transitioned off of, you know, a paper that's directly to the right there, <clears throat> but I saw, yeah, I shot that paper, then transitioned to that popper and then, uh, transitioned to the back left, um, stack of targets. Yeah. Ooh, uh, that's a wide transition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, wow. and uh, then up to this one, I take it. Yep. Mm -hmm. so and he went here, here, all the way around the here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, um, and that worked out fine. Um, you know, and by the way, that's, um, uh, a nine round array. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you reload in this transition? No, no, I, um, okay. Uh, I went to slide lock there. Uh, cause I knew I was like, you know, if I, oh, wow. if I just go one for one here, then, you know, uh, everything will just work out. <laughs> so I did. Okay. Um, so, so you came in, shot this one, this double stack and this one through the port yep. transitioned over, shot that. And then like you yep. said, you basically had to go, that's like a 225 degree angle. Yeah. And then again, I had to exit from there right that's like, what i mean yeah because so, uh, here would be your 180 mm -hmm. coming straight across here so and you were basically what like 160 170 somewhere in there yes, to shoot that and then this is this is back like a, a 225 yeah, <laughs> this yeah, yeah. direction so yeah okay well and uh, again uh i mean what an interesting challenge right uh everybody had to go and shoot those targets in some manner and you know everybody had to figure out how to negotiate those turns right those uh, wide transitions and you know those position exits um right a lot of people came up with you know different ideas on how to do that uh and it, it was cool uh, I, I like it but that mini popper off on the right there i saw todd jarrett shoot it kind of in the middle of the stage um, I saw, uh, a couple shooters shoot it, um, from the back, right. I saw one guy who shot it from the back left, like the farthest, you know, possible shot you could make on that popper, which I thought was kind of 
weird. I, I wouldn't have made that decision, but okay. And um, uh, anyway, again, just uh, the placement of that, um, you know, was was excellent. So very good stuff. Very good yeah. stuff. A lot of stuff to have to consider. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, stack targets notwithstanding, like uh, I wouldn't have changed that stage in the moment. I mean, when I when I showed up and, and walked that one, I was like, okay, these are the, the two viable ways to shoot this for me. This one feels more comfortable. Let's rock. <laughs> and uh it was only after you know that i was like okay you know this decision i made was really good um if i had an opportunity to shoot this again i might change what i did here you know uh stuff like that um i, I like stages that are thought-provoking like that so okay now you mentioned that you shot a hybrid schedule yeah uh, at the, mm -hmm. explain to people what that was Sure. Uh, well, this was, uh, you know, Stephanie doing me a favor, really. Um, so uh, I really enjoy shooting on uh, Saturday with the Blue Bullet team. Um, you know, uh, the NC Blue Bullet contingent, we're a pretty close group of friends. Um, and um, several of them, you know, are at Sir Walter with me. And um, uh, I wanted to work the match uh and contribute but uh, you know it was like how can i how can i get the best of both worlds was uh stephanie actually you know came up with this she's like hey um how about you shoot on saturday but you come and work on friday and sunday you know is that something that would interest you and uh we you know we've done this um a couple of times now um the year prior um I shot Saturday and then I ran a stage with uh, Ike on Sunday uh, and that, you know, worked out great for me this year. Uh, I ran staff squads on Friday um, and um, and then on Sunday I worked chrono with Ben uh, and got to shoot with my team on on Saturday. So that that worked out great for me. Um, but I was going to say you're not the only one who shot a hybrid schedule, though. Yeah, I, I don't know how many, but, you know, I want to say there were probably, you know, maybe a half a dozen people who did that. Um, right. You know, if, um, you know, if you have something going on in the weekend, like, you know, your kids got a, a baseball game to get to or whatever, so you're not available on this day, but you are available these other days, um, uh, you know, uh, Stephanie will work with that. Um, you know, she's done a... a a great job with the staff. I mean, the staff is what makes all of this possible. Um, and uh, the staff really appreciates, you know, her being uh, flexible in that. Um, but um, when it's at Sir Walter, you know, I won't have that opportunity. I'll be, um, you know, working the whole time and, you know, in the months leading up to the match, building stuff or whatever. Um, but uh, when it was at Roanne, that was a, a really cool thing for me. Um, so could I have, uh, you know, uh, shot the staff match and, you know, uh, worked uh, Saturday, Sunday, you know, with the, the rest of the staff? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, 
this was just sort of an incentive, you know, it was, you've, you know, contributed stages, you're going to work, you know, but you also, uh, you know, here's an opportunity for you to also shoot with your team, shoot with your friends. Um, and you know, she gave me the option. So I took it. It was cool. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, something we talked about on Wednesday and I said, I was going to ask you again today. Uh, there was a couple of them. The first one I'm going to go with though, is you gave me your impression of the, or recollection of the, um, origins of the staff reset. Uh, well, like how that's from the best of your knowledge, as you put it, you're like, I, I don't know if this is hundred percent, but this is basically how that all started. Well, I'm not sure if this is how it started per se, but um, more like the benefits that ultimately, you know, led this to be a regular thing. Um, okay. So, I mean, as long as I've been around, the section has done staff reset. Um, and uh, I think the real reason for that is somebody recognized that there's a certain level of efficiency uh, with staff reset that allows you to uh, get more competitors through the match in a, you know, uh, in less time. Um, so I, somebody recognized at some point, you know, like, Hey, if we do this, um, you know, we can run more shooters and maybe get out of here a little sooner. <laughs> um, but um, when I came in, uh, the first time that I uh, worked the section match, like uh, it was just sort of understood, like this is what we do here. Um, and after seeing it done and done well, I mean, like I, I mean, it did not take long for me to convert. You know, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get. <laughs> um, you know, because we can we can turn shooters, um, you know, in a pretty consistent amount of time uh we can ultimately get more flights through and um it's a more equitable experience for everybody because we uh virtually eliminate reshoots right um how many times have you gone to a match you know where you walk down range to uh paste something and by the time you get to the target there's two other dudes like you know fighting to paste the target or, right. Yeah, or your your foot racing your way down there, right? Or um, you know, uh, another scenario uh, that I come across often: uh, if I'm the guy who's been resetting the steel, you know, for the last four or five shooters, and then I'm on deck, somebody uh, has to recognize that I'm no longer setting the steel, and someone has right. to pick up that responsibility, um, and so you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, uh, the, the poppers didn't get reset, re, uh, reshoot. <laughs> um, or um, uh, premature patch targets, you know, uh, where people run down and they paste targets before uh, the target was scored, right? Um, there's there's so many different things that happen um, at local matches and, uh, and even majors around the com uh, country that, um, you know, could be avoided um, if the staff was handling it. Now, 
Uh, I realize this isn't a very popular opinion uh, in a lot of places because let's face it, like the staff is already working their butts off and now we're asking them to, you know, do a little bit more. Um, well, but- and that's what, that's what I wanted to ask you also is get your impression from someone who works these yeah. and has been working these. What are like, look, I, I, we've both heard that it's boring if you're the shooter. I, I understood that philosophy until I went and saw the Carolina classic. And I was like, nope, that's, that is not a valid argument whatsoever. Yeah, but give I, me your perspective from someone who's working. Sure. Uh, so it's all about division of labor in the stage, right? Uh, everybody has an assignment. Uh, and the goal is to work that out, you know, with your CRO uh, ahead of time, right? Uh, make sure that everybody understands what they're supposed to do. So, for example, um, the CRO might might ask, you know, who's comfortable running the timer? Um, you know, is there anybody who is uncomfortable with um, picking up steel or something like that? Like you kind of work out you know what everybody's comfort level is and then you uh assign everybody a specific set of tasks um from buzzer to buzzer right so uh for example when i ran the stage with uh, ike in um, 22 i was running the timer uh when i cleared the shooter uh, i was also uh, the one collecting rounds um from a magazine that they used in the staged so that they could go immediately to chrono. Um, so I cleared the shooter, asked the shooter for rounds. You know, I would take them, you know, either out of a magazine that they dropped or occasionally I would grab one off of belt. You know, I mean, I tried to, uh, make it interesting, but I was doing the same thing, eight rounds in a bag go. And then when I handed them their bag and pointed them to Chrono, I walked straight down range and I pasted one piece of paper that was in the back left of the stage. And then I walked right back to the uh, start position, make ready. Uh, You know, like, so while I'm doing that, you know, we had another staff member, you know, running to the front right where he pasted a couple of targets um, and a bobbing target. And Ike went back and set the steel and, you know, set the uh, activating cable for that, uh, that bobber. And we all just did it like clockwork. I mean, it was, are you ready? Stand by. If you're finished, unload, show clear, you know, range is clear. Boom, eight rounds, go to chrono, paste, paste, make ready. You know, I mean, just, you know, like a top. And, um, uh i didn't get bored because we were constantly moving uh although there were a couple of shooters that you know that surprised me you know with some things that you know uh you know i don't want to go into details there but there were a few you know moments um but um there was a, a exercise component right like i had to walk uh down to pace that target um but i'm standing around anyway Right. You know, like whether I'm uh, walking a little bit to paste or, you know, standing by the start position, like no matter what, like I'm going to be there, I'm going to be standing on the stage. I might as well also be pasting something like I'm sure you've seen this before. Uh, I've been to a couple of majors where uh, there'll be a distant target, you know, 15 yards or greater. 
and an RO uh, will go down and guard the target. Um, like, you know, make sure that no one uh, prematurely uh, paces it before it's scored. You know, the RO then, you know, calls out to them, what's that one? They yell out the score mm-hmm. for that, that target. And then they wait for someone to come and paste that target. Yes. Why didn't that RO have two pasters on them? They walked all the way down there and waited and guarded that target. Well, once they called the score, he could have, you know, pasted those two holes and no one else had to, you know, uh, walk down there. We didn't have to wait for somebody, you know, to, you know, recognize that need and, and paste it. Right. Uh, you know, and even further, you put a paster gun in that guy's hand, you know, um, and a paster gun holster, you know, it's just, it's way more efficient. Right. So, I mean, my feeling on it is, uh, in general, um, the division of labor is not so extreme that, you know, anybody can't handle it. Right. Um, if you have a, a field course stage and there's four staff members or five staff members running it, uh, one person is scoring and they're generally, you know, dedicated to scoring, right? Uh, that person is likely not um, doing any other resetting stuff because um, getting a, a fair, accurate score is priority number one. Um, but everybody else is, you know, going and doing a, a group of some kind of targets, right? So, uh, you know, if you're walking the same uh, path and you're pasting four targets and lifting one piece of steel, in the scheme of things, that's really not a lot of heavy lifting, <laughs> right? Right. Now, if I was, you know, resetting the entire stage by myself, that would be a whole different story. You know, that would be awful. <laughs> yeah, different story altogether. I mean, unless I've been to nationals where there's only been like two paper and two steel and that was it. That would be simple. That'd be easy. Well, I mean, and gun nationals. I mean, we had the, uh, we had the bill drill, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't get more than one person in there to tape that up anyway. But it happened, you know, my squad while we were shooting that, um, there was always that same fight. There was, you know, three guys standing there at that target with pasters. And it's like, uh, Hey, chill. Uh, only one person needs to pace this target. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's the kind of inefficiency that comes when you don't have a set plan, uh, uh, of division of labor, right? If everybody knows their job and they just repeat it over and over again, exactly the same, you know, it works like a well-oiled machine and things move quickly. Um, You know, like if something's wrong with a piece of steel, uh, it's going to get recognized, you know, because the same guy or gal who is resetting it over and over again is going to notice, you know, that one time that it doesn't go, you know, back the way it's supposed to. Um, well, and we, we also talked about, you know, you get the opposite end of the spectrum too, where you have inclement weather and, and let's just take Friday of handgun nationals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. That horrible day, um, downpour, those guys shooting on that day, they're going to need more time to clean their magazines and, and crap like that. Sure. So, or 
maybe I'm thinking of uh, Ipsic Nationals. But either way, well, Ipsic, yeah, when, yeah. Whenever you have nasty weather like that, it takes longer to to clean your equipment, to get it ready, to get back to help with setting the stage. So if you have more people now back in the back to having to clean their gear because they've been shooting and fewer people to pace the stage, you run into the same problem where targets get missed. And, okay. And yeah. I like see. That. Yeah. I see where you're going. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. that uh, definitely creates additional distraction, you know, without question. Yeah. Um, you know, and the flip side of that shooting a staff reset match as a competitor, um, you know, I mentioned this before when we spoke, but uh, I think it's worth mentioning again, like as a single stack shooter, I'm not cleaning one mag. I'm cleaning three, four, four. Or five mags. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so I appreciate um, when I get done shooting a stage, I don't have to worry about um, getting back in the game so quickly to help paste. You know, uh, I don't have to worry about looking like a jerk, you know, for yeah, not, yeah. Uh, nobody's helping. waiting on you right yeah. yeah um you know so i enjoy that preparation time uh you know i enjoy um when i get to the next stage i have plenty of time to uh visualize uh and memorize you know what it is i'm about to do um you know i also enjoy actually being able to watch some other shooters from time to time uh there's a lot of matches that i go to where i do not have an opportunity to actually watch other people shoot well uh, and i was going to say that a couple of things that that i witnessed is one i've never seen people take their time and clean so much gear because they were afforded that opportunity sure two they were socializing more than i've ever seen people socialize and three, what you just said, if you are going there to be a competitor and actually try to win something, okay, whether it's your class or the overall, whatever it is, if it's a staff reset match, you are afforded the greatest opportunity to do your best because you can focus on what you're doing. You can watch other people. You can see where they're making mistakes and you're like, ah, if I do this, then I can I can take advantage of that. Yeah, so capitalize on that mistake. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's like it it even gives you that opportunity. How many times I, I know I've done it where okay, it's gonna take him 30 seconds to shoot this stage. Um, I'm gonna real quick peek around the corner just to look, watch somebody shoot this other stage real quick, and then I'm gonna come back so I can have time to help reset the stage. Well, now you don't have to worry about coming back. You can actually mosey over and watch that next stage for a minute and then come back and you haven't done anything wrong, you know, yeah. or you don't feel guilty that you didn't help. Totally. Uh, you know, I mean, you also have time to use the restroom and maybe, maybe go see, <laughs> yeah, Good point. maybe go see the vendor area or something. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, the people who are saying that they would get bored, I, I, I think they're, I think they, I would challenge them to experience this once, you know, before they, you know, uh, make that determination because I have never been bored. Uh, you know, uh, there's always something to do. Uh, there's, you know, people to catch up with, which is really why we do this, right? I, I, I'm in this for the, the friends. Um, you know, uh, I want to catch up with these people and tell jokes and, you know, uh, I want to tell Dylan Walker that he sucks and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my gosh uh 
That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, from a competitor standpoint, there's a lot of positives. From a staff standpoint, uh, there's a ton of positives. I mean, when you're running, you know, a well-oiled stage and cranking shooters through, like there's a certain zen to it, you know, a certain flow to it. Um, and uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, and there's a pride, you know, that comes with putting on a really good show too, right? Um, you know, if you, if you put on a really great match, you've got really great stages, good competitors, you know, will come uh, and fun will be had by all, you know? Um, and so that, you know, is what makes this whole thing worthwhile. But, yeah, uh, it, it, and go, going along with fun will be had by all is, uh, again, I said earlier that I saw people socializing more than ever. I saw people joking around when, you know, typically they're busy doing stuff. So they're they're not as, I'm not saying it's not as jovial, but there's more time to be jovial. But the other thing was, I'm, I'm going to add on to what you said. I've also never seen so many people like gather around to watch people shoot because they're not back there having to get their gear ready yes. and they're not in a rush so they can stop and watch and actually kind of, whether it's cheer each other on, or like you said, give Dylan a hard time when he's done with the stage, <laughs> well, you know, uh, there was that back and forth and it did change the energy. Look, I, I went to the Virginia state match a few weeks later and I love that match just as much. But the dynamic is completely different. Like I couldn't interview people. I didn't have time because they were all busy. They were either trying to watch people shoot because they're getting ready to shoot or, you know, they're cleaning something or they're pasting. It's just a completely different dynamic. Totally. I get that. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, I worked that hybrid schedule specifically because I wanted to shoot with my team. And, um, you know, uh, staff reset afforded me the opportunity to do a little bit of, um, you know, ball busting and coaching and cheering and, you know, all of those things combined, uh, with my boys, you know, and, um, I, I think if, if it was a different scenario, um, I wouldn't be talking a whole lot. Uh, I would be eyes closed, you know, visualizing, you know, I would be, um, you know, yes. Trying to reset my equipment, I would be all focused on my game, um, and there wouldn't be much room for anything else. Uh, you know, uh, beyond resetting and being ready to play. Reset, be ready to play. Um, but when I uh, just have to play, I have so much more fun. Uh, and shocker, when I have more fun, I perform better. <laughs> uh, I I think probably You're relaxed. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, most people would probably agree with that uh, sentiment. But um, you know, yeah, uh, I get that this is uh, not the popular opinion, you know, across uh, the country, and um, it is a cultural thing. Uh, I find it really interesting. Um, you know, while I don't know that anybody's specifically addressed this. Uh, it does seem like um, several states are sort of um, competing to see who can put on the better match lately. So, for example, um, 
we've got North Carolina, we've got South Carolina, uh, we've got uh, Georgia, I think. Um, you know, there's this this pocket of um, level two matches happening here in the southeastern states where it seems like the bar just keeps getting raised. Um, you know, uh, not just, you know, focusing on staff reset, but, you know, also quality of props and, you know, quality of challenges. And, you know, uh, Belton's got this uh, uh, crazy vendor area thing going on with uh, Tom Castro. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's just more, 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 like, how can we make this, you know, a better experience for the competitors? And um, it's, it's driving competition in uh, putting on good matches. Right. Within uh, the area. Mm. Yeah. Which I love. Uh, but I just think that's way cool. Um, you know, because then we can all watch each other or, you know, go shoot those matches uh, and see how they're doing it and take some of those ideas back to our club and, and so on and so forth. And so um, uh, there's this pride, you know, in who, you know, who can put on the best show, you know, um, you know, what worked, what went well, how can we do it better? We're always trying to get better. Uh, we try to get better as shooters. We try to get better as match officials. Um, I just, I love the culture. Uh, but I also understand that that doesn't necessarily exist everywhere. Um, and uh, frankly, uh, I, I do think on some level, um, you know, we are, um, you know, I hate this word, but I mean, we're blessed, you know, <laughs> with, uh uh, people who are are willing to uh, get involved uh, here. We've got a lot of great people um, at all these clubs. North Carolina's got some awesome clubs. They really do. Um, and I think South Carolina, you know, I mean, that, that was a hell of a match. I really had fun. Um, you know, uh, I just, I, I like to see where this is going. Um, but, there are a lot of clubs out there that don't have this kind of um, uh, culture, camaraderie. Um, you know, the unfortunate side of uh, matches is the majority of match directors out there across the country are burnt out big time. Um, and rightly so, because they're basically doing it by themselves. Um, which is why I said earlier, like, you know, for the uh, listeners out there, like, you know, help contribute some, it'll, it'll go a long way. Uh, and your match director will remember you. And there's always perks, you know, to getting in good with your local match uh, officials. So. <laughs> well, well, and when we talked on Wednesday and you mentioned it earlier that you're not the match director, hmm. but even though it's Robert Walker, he might be the match director you know, you mentioned how you still have Chris DeBruin helping, you're helping, Ben Barry's helping. Mm -hmm. So, so Robert's not on an island. So you guys actually attack it as a team with one guy in charge, but there's a whole team there. Mm -hmm. And I, th I, that's obviously the way to do it. Oh, I, I, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, I've heard some people talk about, um, rotating match director responsibilities. I think it was Joel Park uh, that was talking about, uh, you know, how they um, have like a schedule where, you know, whoever takes January, you know, is not going to be the match director again until 
June or, or I, I don't know how that works, but uh, they rotate responsibilities so that they avoid burnout. You know, whereas uh, I think the way that we do it is we divide uh, or dele Robert delegates responsibilities or um, I don't know. I mean, we got a lot of cool people that uh, have a lot of great skills and, you know, uh, Robert's superpower is bringing all of them together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a super cool dude. He's really, really chill. And, um, you know, if he sends the word out, you know, that he needs help, people will show up. Um, you know, nice. yeah, I mean, again, I think, you know, I think superpower is the right word. Because, uh, I mean, I, I think if I sent out the same message, uh, some people would show up, you know, but probably not as many as, you know, that would show up for Robert, right? Um, that's you funny. Know, Chris, on the other hand, I mean, you know, he is, uh, you know, got an engineer's brain. Uh, you know, he does a lot of our um, movers, uh, you know, sets up the cabling and everything for those. Um, he handles all things scoring, you know, tablets, practice score, whatever. Um, you know, so if we have something that's, you know, complicated or, you know, a puzzle or, you know, has any uh, level of problem solving in it, it's like, well, you know, have Chris take a look at it, you know. Um, so understanding what everybody's skill sets are um, and delegating those responsibility, everybody's doing something. Um, uh, it definitely helps uh, prevent that that burnout, I think. Um you know, and we're all really great friends. So, I mean, we get to spend time, you know, doing the stuff that we love, which is, you know, what this is all about. So. All right. So I, I've had you on here for quite a while. Uh, so. Oh, well, you know, um, whatever, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> you want to cut it. That's cool. If you want to keep going, that's cool, too. I'm having a lot of fun. I, I do. Appreciate okay. It. Oh, as here. long as you're good with it, we'll keep going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I. Mean, I <laughs> my friends will tell you I'm a talker, you know, so I'll, I'll keep going until you tell me to stop. Uh, okay. If you haven't well, I, already. <laughs> <laughs> well, along this same theme, another thing that we talked about um, on Wednesday, uh, I'm going to use the word recruit. I don't know if it's the right word, but um, you were telling me what you guys are doing to, as I said, kind of recruit people in long term. Can you sure. talk about that again now for the for the people listening? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what we were talking about was incentives. Um, trying to come up with uh, some kind of ways we can entice you know people to want to be involved with our crew, um, and uh, that can be things like uh, if you come to setup day, uh, you get your match entry for free and uh you have an opportunity to walk the stages uh the day before everybody else and um there will be experienced competitors there like myself like robert ben uh dylan whatever um there'll be everybody there to talk about stage plans um uh so you know, my read is uh, a lot of the people that come and help contribute also come away learning something about uh, stage breakdown um, and uh, techniques that they can use uh, uh, when they shoot the match the next day. Um, on top of that, you know, people who are um, 
regulars uh, who are Sir Walter Club members, uh, for example, like we'll invite them to uh, come out and practice with us on Wednesday nights. Uh, so um, as a reward, I guess, you know, for, uh, you know, contributing on build day, um, you're now invited to the inner circle, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty big benefit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, well, you know, you get to shoot with, um, the junior national open champion and a single stack GM. And, you know, you, you get to, uh, you know, get critiques and, um, you get to play with props that you maybe don't normally get to play with because you're now, you know, a member of the, you know, the inner circle or whatever. Um, well, and, and too, if you're, if you're a newer guy, we'll say a B or C class shooter, and you haven't had the opportunity to really do a whole lot of live fire, this gives you an opportunity to train with people and learn how to train live fire. You know what I mean? Amen. Uh, yeah. You, you use the key words there, learn how to train. Yes. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles in this sport is learning. I how agree. To practice. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, uh, uh, I, I do see that as a, uh, a viable incentive, you know, uh, to get people to come out and shoot with us. Um, so it's been all about figuring out, you know, what are some things that we can, you know, give back to the people who are, um, you know, contributing to our match. Well, um, we don't have a lot of time and we don't have a lot of money, you know, uh, but, uh, we're all going to be here shooting on Wednesday anyway. Why don't you come out and learn something um, and uh, play with us? And that has also, you know, built a lot of really great long lasting friendships. Um, and, um, uh, you know, uh, another side benefit is figuring out like what people do professionally uh, and maybe getting the inside track on some stuff, right? Like, um, is you know like hey joey over there is a plumber well it just so happens i need a plumber <laughs> um you know so there's a lot of buddy system stuff that goes on there as well um and uh, you know i mean we're just we're trying to foster uh these relationships and keep people uh, excited so that they uh, will continue to come and shoot our match but also will show up uh, and help us set it up from time to time um I have a, a little package that I put together of stage design resources uh, that includes a cloud folder with the SketchUp installers for uh, Mac and PC, um, some SketchUp templates, uh, and a series of YouTube links with, you know, like a, a primer videos of how to get started in SketchUp. Oh, cool. uh, and a document uh, that I wrote up, you know, called, you know, USPSA design best practices or something like that. Um, so if anybody ever says to me, like, oh, I've, you know, I kind of like to try designing a stage. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an email address? Because I have got the thing for you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, you know, so uh, having resources, you know, readily available for people uh, is a cool thing. Uh, again, um, 
I, I kind of hate that we have to, you know, talk about incentives to try to drive up interest, but, um, uh, you know, I, I do think that that helps a lot. Um, we got a great. Well, and I think there are people out there that listen to this that are in the same boats, just trying to come up with different things to maintain the shooters they have, you know, for sure. long term and, and get that assistance. And anything like this that can be talked about, it may not work exactly for them, but it may get them to think of something else to help that other club with retention of shooters and, yeah. and get more participation. Well, and, uh, you know, again, wonderful segue. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, why are there not more resources available um, for clubs to share stuff, right? I mean, I, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about this of late. Um, I think Ben, you know, probably has talked about this on his podcast. Um, you know, things like um, some kind of handbook, you know, for how to run a successful USPSA match, right? Um, when we were talking the other day, the example I used was a McDonald's franchise. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you buy into uh, a McDonald's franchise, uh, you don't just, you know, pay your money and then go figure it out. Like, you are given you know, step-by-step -step instructions and you follow their plan, right? Like there's no, um, there's no F around and find out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. But, it's tried and true. Yeah. But if you think about it, USPSA's um, uh, franchise is, is kind of like that, right? You, um, you ultimately register as a club and you pay your fees and, that's it. Right. There's so you have to fiddle around and find out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, something as simple as uh, some information on um, what are the typical props and where can I source them or how do I build them? Right. Like uh, every club has had to figure out how to build walls. Right. How come we don't actually have a plan for walls <laughs> sitting up on the website? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody uses barrels, right? Uh, well, what about some instructions for the, the best methods of attaching them into a double stack? Uh, I mentioned that because my club has, you know, tried several different methods, you know, before uh, settling on one, right? Um, you know, I mean, there, it just seems like there's some information like that, that people have already figured out but there's no um, central place to uh, share that with everybody. Um, we do uh, have the stage design library now uh, up on the USPSA site. Uh, I think that's a step in the right direction, but I don't find it particularly uh, easy to navigate. Um, and the expectation is that the people that visit it will tag uh, the stages there. So it's not actually being uh, regulated by anybody. It's just sort of wide open and anybody can tag anything to it. And um, uh, again, I think that's a great way to get us started, but I think we can expand upon that. Um, I also, you know, I'm not certain that everything uh, is up there. 
uh, and how often things are being added to it or uh, whatever. Um, uh, I know uh, from me personally, when I, uh, I went through and, and clicked through that design library, I found a couple of my stages, but there have been uh, a lot that have gone through the NROI approval process that aren't up there. Um, and so that kind of makes me think uh, it's not necessarily being um, updated all the time or um, who knows? I don't, I don't know how that whole thing works. Um, step in the right direction, but let's expand upon that, right? Let's, let's have, uh, some documentation up on like, what are some of the best ways to source barrels? You know, right. uh, you know, what are, um, the design templates for this type of, um, activation apparatus or whatever, um, you know, what are the best practices surrounding um, activating cables? You know, um, there's a lot of really interesting ideas out there about how people build these things to be bulletproof. Um, you know, like, uh, what kind of steel, you know, what uh, I want to, the one I mentioned to you recently is uh, we're currently seeking a bobber target. Um, but the ones that I uh, found uh, searching online were uh, not built to the level of uh, rigidity, you know, reliability, you know, uh, that that I'm looking for at our club. Just not robust enough. Yeah. I'm not, again, I need it. I need it bulletproof, you know. And right. I, and a lot of these things that you find online are designed to be broken apart and and shipped you know, for a, a reasonable shipping cost, right? Well, but that also means that, um, you know, assembly required and possibly thinner, lighter uh, materials. Um, mm. Whereas, uh, you know, hopefully I, I'm in touch with somebody who um, uh, built the bobbers that Rowan has. Um, I mean, he welded these things himself and they are tanks uh, and they're wonderful. So, um my hope is that uh, he'll be able to make some for us as well. Um, you know, so not well, all and and yeah. and going along with that. I mean, you guys are area six, but let's say he's in North Carolina. He's still close enough that you know Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, they could buy the same targetry from this guy. Yeah, you know uh, what I mean. Well, this guy I'm working with, I don't know that he's in it. You know. Uh, to make a business out of it by any means. I think he's doing it because, you know, he's also uh, enjoys the sport and is helping us out, but I don't get the impression that he wants a lot of extra work. Um, you know, however, uh, there's another fella, um, that Walt Pagel, um, who made the bobbers that have been used at nationals. Um, I communicated with him, uh, you know, he seems to have a really solid design where the bo bobber can be converted into a swinger also. Um, which I can see being high value, you know, to a club that maybe doesn't have uh, the funding to go crazy with props, you know, yeah. one prop that I can transform into either or, you know. Yeah. Um, and he does uh, seem to be interested in some level uh, in, in making these things. So, yeah, like, like let's get that out there. Um, so anyway, but, you know, not all props are created equal. So, I mean, it would be cool for, you know, just a 
to have some type of method of sharing this insider information, right? Um, and I realize what I'm asking, right? Uh, I mean, that would take moderation. That would take uh, IT admins, you know, uh, money. Right. What, I mean, th this all requires time, effort, money, resources, you name it, right? Um, but I think, you know, a lot of this work has been done. I don't think that the next step of cataloging it, you know, would be that big of a, a jump from where we are now. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.